What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 86 of your favorite podcast, The Gordite Podcast. I am your host, Justin Mahaley, alongside my co-host, Scott Simmons. And today, I have the two men behind Gifted Performance Training here with us. Cameron Cheek and Paul Serafini are in this podcast, dropping some fire. You know that all we're going to produce is heat. But today, we brought it. We're going to talk to you about establishing a reputation in the coaching industry here in the beginning. But beyond that, we're going to talk about cycle design for PED usage. We're going to do a deep dive on anabolics and you guys are going to be in for a treat. So inside, be ready, have your notepads out because we're going to drop some fire that you need to hear and you need to know, especially if you're looking at going to the next level with your supplementation. As always, the Grow Our Diet podcast brought to you by Revive Supplements. Use code Mahaley15 at checkout and Raw Supplements. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support your favorite podcast and our amazing partners. Episode 86 get your notepads ready the fire is about to drop all right you guys so today um i have i have a, a rather new friend um cameron and i just met what was that two weeks ago at north americans cameron is that when we yeah. met yeah it was about two weeks ago um you know we met i had followed him on instagram recently i'd seen his work i was definitely impressed and and paul is on here as well and you know he and cameron kind of collab on their coaching business which i definitely want to find out more about because i find it very and in, in, very interesting as someone who's someone of a control Troll freak myself. Um, but Cameron, Paul, welcome to the Grow or Die podcast, gentlemen. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having us, man. Absolutely. I did. I'm stoked on it, man. I think this is going to be fire. I think we have a lot coming for the people. So first and foremost, I want to talk um, about Cameron. You know, you're, you're, you're a really young guy. Um, what are you? You're 22, 23? Yeah, 22. Yeah, 22 years old. And you already have, you know, clients on the national stage. You already, you know, have these results that, you know, coaches commonly don't get to like their 30s. Um, you know, you're really far ahead of the game. I want to talk about establishing yourself as just a reputable online coach, you know, in this world of online coaches fucking beast of online coaching. It's like every single day, it feels like there's a thousand more new ones, right? <laughs> like yeah. how, how do we navigate? So how did you navigate through the murky waters and kind of find success? What do you attribute that to? Uh, the, the people around me and mentors and people that have gave me opportunity, mm -hmm. but also pointed me in the right direction to recognize what's right and what's wrong. Absolutely. Uh, from a standpoint where when you're ignorant on the topic, it's really hard to distinguish the two. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you have people guiding you, pointing you in the right direction, <clears throat> you know, Paul, that's a good friend. That's also, you know, going to lay down the law and chew my ass out if he has to. Mm -hmm. uh, just people that care and stuff like that. You know, that's 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 probably where I would put most of the success into is back into the people who have put time and effort into me. Having people around you who care about your well-being, who care about your growth, who care about your success, man, I mean, you, honestly, like Paul and Cameron, you guys can both relate to this. I know Scott can relate to this. Dude, there's nothing fucking better than that. Like the environment that you're surrounded by, man, if these people truly care to you down to your core, like, man, that, that just, that helps so much. So Paul, how did you kind of get into the whole coaching and, and training component here of, of physique enhancement? Uh, well, for a while, you know, like just being younger, like 18, getting into lifting, uh, 
I just got pretty serious about it when uh, I actually have an academic background and uh, I have my master's in uh, exercise science. Okay. And so um, I took a stab at coaching a couple times throughout like undergrad and stuff like that. And, you know, it just didn't work out mostly mm-hmm. because of like, just, I didn't have a certain like level of maturity, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a certain, uh, there, there's just stuff that like, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're having a good day or a bad day or if you're busy, like as a coach, sometimes shit just has to get done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my first couple stabs at coaching, you know, doing work for free, I just didn't have that sort of instilled in me. Yeah. And then ultimately one day, you know, after what, 10 years of lifting, um, having a couple different coaches, it actually came from a financial need and, and also like a, a place of passion, but I didn't realize how passionate I was going to be about, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, until like that kind of, that, that happened. And especially like when you're at a point where you're, you're kind of forced in the spot of like, I need to be good at this mm-hmm. or else I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to make money. And I was like in the middle of my master's, I was teaching, I was doing research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, just something, something happened and it just became like a, a big passion of mine to the point where it was just like, you know, I, I, my first year of coaching, I think I maybe slept three or four hours a night. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I feel it. it's, it, it's amazing. Like the story you're telling and I know obviously Cameron can relate to it as well. And, and Scott put himself in that position too. When he left his corporate airplane sales shop, man, when you have your fucking back, nailed against the wall with like no mobility or nowhere to go. There's nowhere to turn. You just have like one fucking direction that you can go. Like what Paul's talking about here, man, you know what? You really fucking find out what you're made of. (laughs) You really, you you really find out like, like I, I was kind of in a similar position as Paul is like, dude, fuck. Like I, I knew that I loved training and I knew that I loved coaching, but fuck, there was no income. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was nothing fucking coming in and, and like, and like you feel like you're working all the fucking time but it's like where, where's the money and, and, and like there isn't any so you have to like think of ways outside the box like look i'm not an employable person i don't think i i know scott's not employable we talked about that in the last podcast mm-hmm. i don't think you two are very employable look i would get fired from any fucking job that i worked i had <laughs> I to figure something lie. out <laughs> yeah <laughs> you wouldn't I survive <laughs> no way like i mean dude like uh you know, I mean, in terms of like on paper, my experience in terms of like degrees and stuff, like I'm sure I can find a job somewhere. But yeah. after like a few years of coaching, like I, I, I'm just not made for it anymore. No. I'd be trying to take naps under my desk and shit <laughs> at like one in the afternoon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, dude, that 1 p.m. nap is a secret yeah. of anabolic. <laughs> we can get into that. that. That's my that's my prime nap time at 1 p.m. It's, it, you know what sucks? We actually started training at 1 p.m. And now I don't get my fucking oh my mid-afternoon God, right. anabolic nap anymore. <laughs> my growth oh, is going to suffer. My body hates me so much. So um, back against the wall, man. But put yourself in a position, your back's against the wall. What were your pivots, Paul, kind of from that place? And then I also, after Paul kind of talks about how he built up a clientele base, I want Cameron to talk about um, how he and Paul kind of connected. So Paul, go ahead and tell us how you initially built up a clientele base. Yeah, man. So actually, um, so the third time I decided to pick up coaching, 
that's where everything that has happened up to today, like, you know, really took off. But the second time things were going well, but I was just doing a lot of work. Uh, it was probably like a year or two, a couple years prior or something. I was doing a lot of work for either really cheap or free. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was still like good at what I was doing, but it, there is something about money. Yep. You know what I mean? Like when you're doing, uh, you're working your ass off for free, especially when you're early at coaching where it might take you like two hours to write a program or you might stare at some macros or like mm. somebody's plan and you just stare at it for like 30 minutes before you make a decision. Yeah. Um, and you're not getting paid dick for that. Nothing. Like there, <laughs> there, there'll be time, there would be times where I'd be like, you know what? I'm watching Netflix tonight and, uh, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll crush this program out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, after a while, I, you know, not getting paid much, people kind of just not following plans, um, or just dealing with the headaches that coaches deal with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I just kind of called it quits that second time, but Mm -hmm. then it was like right around, um, I actually had a, a roommate just kind of like decide he didn't want to do his masters at uh, where where we were going to school, and he just kind of picked up and left, moved back to Florida, right? And that so now I had to bad. pay, yeah, I had to pay like uh, for this room in this apartment. And my other roommate was so broke, like way more broke than I was, and I, I didn't want to put it on him. Yep. And it just so happened like a couple people had asked me if I was still coaching, and. Uh, so I said, fuck it, man. Like I need the money. Uh, I went into it and I was like, let me charge something that is worth it. And that actually made a really huge difference. Um, when, when I had that kind of financial motivation, one of just needing to survive. And then two, um, you know, just seeing that money, it was like, I knew I had to take care of these people so that they would take care of me. You know what I mean? And so, I, I went above and beyond, um, especially when the client load was small and you're working with like 10 clients or yep. less, you know, just texting them all the time, making sure they're like kind of on their shit. And eventually like word, like word of mouth spreads. And a lot of people, um, when it comes to, you know, hiring a coach, like, you know, for instance, I've had clients come to me from big name coaches mm-hmm. and they're like, dude, this guy didn't even know who I was yeah. if I didn't put a fucking photo in the email. Yeah. Like he had no idea who I was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, that, that really just caught on and picked up and, uh, I, it was really, you know, I, I think the growth was very unusual, you know, because I went from having maybe like three or four clients to with him like a few months having like 10 clients mm-hmm. uh, a couple months after that having 20, 25. And eventually I'm like, Holy shit. Like I got 30 fucking clients. Yep. Like, you know, like and at 30 this, clients, this you're making pretty good money. <laughs> like at, at 30, I mean, fuck, yeah. you know, think if you're charging 200 bucks a month, you have 30 clients, you're making six G's a month. That's far more than the average person mm-hmm. makes in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting 30 clients, truly, you guys, it, it, it sounds funny. I know there's a ton of trainers and coaches who listen to this podcast. Like what Paul just says, literally how everyone did it. That's how everyone does it. You just service the hell out of three. All right. And then three eventually trickles into five. Right. And then five somehow trickles into nine and then you're at fucking 15 and then you're at 21. Like these people, they, they, they talk about you. You, I I don't think coaches and trainers understand how large of a role that they play in their clients' lives. Like, 
outside of their spouse oh, or partner. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they probably talk to you more than they talk to anybody else in their oh, life. Yeah. You're like a counselor. You're yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're like truly a counselor. All we are of the time. <laughs> Wait, what did you say, Cameron? So we're their, we're their next dad. We literally are. <laughs> we literally, we're like caretakers to them. Yeah. And, and people need to be able to embrace that because I think that a lot of people, like, I'm so glad that Paul said that and Cameron said that. I think a lot of coaches and trainers kind of um, maybe neglect that responsibility or push that responsibility off because it's a huge time consumption. But, you know, no matter how big the, the team, Mahaley or my personal roster grows, man, I, if I have to have that relationship with a client. We have to, I don't want to say be friends, but I have to know you on somewhat of a personal level. Cameron, do you kind of agree with that? Oh, absolutely. It, I actually like when clients are texting us too much than too little. Agreed. Because I feel like working with them. I don't feel like I'm working with a number. Yep. I want to work with people, you know? And, and when I only hear from you on your check-in day, I'm like... It, it makes me feel weird. You know, you, you only hear from someone on the check-in and some people operate that way. And that's how, yeah. you know, some people are like um, little soldiers in their approach. Right. Mm-hmm. But man, it's crazy. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, sorry. I, no, Cam and I talk about this sometimes. Like sometimes uh, the clients that you actually would like to hear from more, like you, you just never hear from them because they're on their grind, they're doing what they're yeah. supposed to do, and they're yeah. self-reliant. And yeah. then there are yeah. some clients where you're like, maybe I can hear from this person a little less, and they're just all over you, man. You all you have know? the same problems. <laughs> it's so funny. We all have the exact yeah. same problems. <laughs> That's hilarious. But but the ones that you only hear from on check-in day, it's like, fuck, man, If as long as their biofeedback looks good and their pictures look better, they have to be doing their job, right? Yeah. But training for relationships is such a huge factor. And I want people who are listening to this podcast who are clients, I want you guys to take that in consideration because your buy-in factor is going to be much higher if you feel an actual connection with your coach. Now, unfortunately, we talked about this on podcast four. There are a lot of fucking coaches and it's wild. It seems to be the older fucking dudes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of coaches who try to take advantage of that connection. So you have to be able to fucking trust someone too, right? Especially when, you know, I mean, we all coach competitors. I I mean, a majority of my roster is competitors. I'm, I'm, I'm sure a, a large or a majority or at least very close to majority of your guys roster is too. I mean, dude, that's a vulnerable position as a client to be in. And the trust component that has to be there is it's, it's paramount. It's absolutely huge. So Cameron, talk a little bit. I, I, I want to circle back around to how you and Paul Megs, it's really fucking cool. But how do you kind of, a, how do you build that rapport and that trust within your clients? I, I know when I met you in Pittsburgh, I, I remember telling Brandon Cooper, he's with me. I was like, man, that dude's good fucking vibes. Like, and if I meet someone and I say you're good vibes, you must be really good vibes. Cause I don't really say that very often, but how do you go about the trust building process with your clients? Um, really, man, just kind of showing them that you're there to serve them. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, whenever we're coaches, yeah, we kind of have like this like boss vibe in a way, you yeah. know, but at the same time, you're their employee. Yeah. Like they're, they're paying you. You are there to, and a lot of people too, and I'll, I'll tell people, you know, each time that you coach somebody, a good coach needs to be able to be a different coach with every athlete. Agreed. You know, you don't, someone doesn't just hire you for you to do the same thing that you're doing with every single person else. Mm-hmm. You mold to them. 
you know, we're working with humans, not robots. Exactly. You know, I think just opening up that line of communication. um, And I I usually tell clients just on that first initial consult call, like communication is huge. Like Paul and I, we do everything through text messages Mm -hmm. because one it's 2020 and I'm 22 years old. And I'm for sure not going to an email. <laughs> That's funny. And, you know, I just think opening up that line of communication, you know, checking in on people, asking them, you know, like I'll have clients that just get married or, you know, maybe just have a kid. Ask them like, oh, how's it going? Yep. You know, some get togethers with like local people on the team. Yep. Um, you know, just like, and I'm sure once we get into like, you know, how I came about and everything like that, you know, as coaches, we need them mm-hmm. a lot more than they need us. There's mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of coaches out there mm-hmm. and it pisses me off whenever I hear about athletes coming from coaches mm-hmm. that just treat their athletes like just toys and just throw mm-hmm. them in a box and just like, all right, see you next week. Like, it's like you know, the conveyor belt crazy. style coaching. It's it's like how you yeah. build a car. Coaches are trying to do that with, with, with their clients. And it's like, man, that's, that's nothing more than self-serving. And I also think you said it perfectly, dude, like our lifestyles, like, like I just bought a fucking house mm-hmm. and like, I have like businesses that rely on team Mahaley, you know, before they make money, like our, everything we do, like we need our clients way more than they need us, yeah. like exponentially more than they need us. And I think that's a really, really, really valid point. But, you know, something that, you know, Cameron and Paul, I can tell are good at because you can't fucking fake this. You bring passion to to your clients and you show them, hey, I, I care about you as a human. Like like Cameron said it perfectly. Hey, yo, you get married, dude. I want to see wedding pictures. Yeah. Like yeah. you have a baby. I want to know. How's it doing? You yeah. got a new fucking dog. Oh, my God. What's its name? How's yep. things going? Yeah. And. You, you, you also can't fake that, mm-hmm. right? It has to be something that's genuine from a good place. But I, I really think that the whole fam Mahaley concept that we have here, that I know a lot of teams say they're like family and stuff. You know, I, I get that vibe from you guys. Like, dude, I want to hang out with my clients. Like, I wish I could just have my clients over to the house every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that in a way, be, you kind of do. Yeah, in a way, I kind of <laughs> do, right? Yeah. But but no, I, I, I think that's really, really, really cool. But before we move on to the next okay. one, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Paul. Oh uh, yeah. One thing I want to speak on just in case, you know, there's like a young coach out there is, uh, you know, on the converse end or the other side of the coin is just being careful. And there, there are some lines you have to walk, you know what I mean? Like, uh, cause if you're not careful, I think Cam and I have both have been through this like form of burnout where like, you know, clients are texting you at 11 PM yeah. or, you know, they're hitting you up at like nine o'clock and they're like, Hey, do you have time to talk? And you're like, Oh shit. You know, uh, sure. And then yeah. they hit you with something you're not equipped to deal with, maybe some emotional stress or just something that it's like, Hey man, like, you know, one, it, it would be, it's out of my scope to deal with this. Yeah. And like, I, I just can't be that person for you. You know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. And it, yeah. And just being careful like that and just real, especially with the burnout, especially if you have a significant other, mm-hmm. um, because it is just so easy to burn yourself out and coach. Oh, like it, even if you're passionate easy. about it. I think a very important note here, and this is writing off what Paul just said. I mean, if someone comes to you with some emotional baggage that you do not have the qualification, you're mm-hmm. not qualified to handle. 
Dude, if you try handling that, that's that's literally against the law. It's yeah. it's actually illegal to do. And you know, it's it's a slippery slope as a coach, right? Because sometimes people hit you like you're the only person I'm allowed to talk to about this XYZ. Mm-hmm. You you have to keep yourself on the right side of the coin here. Yeah. And you have to make sure that you're in I mean, I mean, th- th- this isn't about being at that point, it's about legalities, yeah. right? And I think when I was a younger coach, um, I was trying so hard to please everybody that I would kind of cross that line. Sometimes I try to be therapist, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, try this, try that. In try a way that. you're a therapist, but legally you're yeah. not. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah. Like, man, we can talk through things, but shit, I can't give advice. Yeah. I, I need advice from my goddamn self. <laughs> I'm not equipped to handle any of this. And so that's a really good um, um, point there by Paul. And and I'm really glad that you brought that up because like he said, a lot of younger coaches, you might, you know, you're in that same place. I need to earn this paycheck. I need to earn this paycheck. I need to earn this paycheck because you're not living in abundance of clients yet. And you, you, you have to be really careful with that. You still have to be able to energize yourself, right? We talk about that on the podcast, charging your battery. All right. All day as a coach, like all day, myself, Paul, Cameron, all the team, Mahaley staff, dude, like our battery is just going out to other people. Our battery is going out so that other people can be charged, right? If you never pull it back and you never plug yourself in and you never allow yourself to have that time with with literally just yourself mm-hmm. and, and your thoughts and your, you know, your spouse, your significant other, your friends or whatever, man, you're, you're going to hate this shit. Like you are going to end up hating coaching. And I've been there a few times and it sounds like Paul's been there a few times where man, coaching suck. yeah, like, like there, there's even nights now. I mean, Cameron, I'm sure you can allude to this. Like, there's nights now I went from, you know, junior USA to Ohio to Pittsburgh. So all the shows were so close, man. I left Pittsburgh and I was like, I need a couple of days. <laughs> Bro, yeah, we were on the road for four weekends in a row. Brutal. Wow. That's brutal. Oh, yeah, That man. sucks. Yeah, like, I'm back now. I'm kind of in, like, one of those little slumps now, to be honest, because I'm mid-prep. And, yeah. uh, you know, I came back from traveling. I haven't taken an off day since. Like, yeah. I, I have 10 programs to write this week. Yeah. Um, and generally, like, my, my programs, they're, they're a little more, but it's not like a Word document. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh it's just uh, not not that there's anything wrong with that coaching style, but um, or or there's not like uh, effort put into that, but mm. it's just like it's in you know, like all that traveling and shit, and you know, in the meantime, you you're catching up on work. People are texting you, and you're trying to find time to text back. Mm-hmm. And, you know. It's brutal. It gets, it gets fucking tough. So it's like when Ronnie Coleman said, everyone want to be a bodybuilder. Nobody want to live that ass way. I'm going to say everyone (laughs) want to be an online coach, but nobody want to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They really don't. Yeah. So, um, I want to get into a topic that, um, has not been discussed yet on the Grower Night podcast. And so I'm really excited to talk about this. So Cameron, my understanding is you kind of handle the diet, the cardio, the check-ins, all that stuff. And Paul kind of handles the cycle. So how, how does your coaching duo work? Yeah, man. So uh, a lot of the times what I'll do is, uh, you know, I'll kind of map out like timeline, uh, kind of game plan, like my thoughts with things, um, talk back and forth with Paul, depending on whether they're enhanced or not. A lot of the times when someone's enhanced, uh, 
their drugs and, you know, prioritizing their health kind of dictates timeline. But, you know, I'll, I'll help with that, um, doing the nutrition, um, peak week stuff, any activity, whether it be through cardio calories, up count, um, sometimes helping with posing mm-hmm. and a little bit more like of the managing side, like, Hey, like, are you set up with Kenny? You registered for some of that kind of, of stuff. And then, uh, Paul does a lot of like the, uh, the supplement gear side, the training programming, mm-hmm. um, sometimes some injury stuff where it's within our scope and mm-hmm. not too serious. Um, but yeah, that, that, that makes complete sense. I think that's really fucking cool. It's really fascinating. You guys, you know, you guys are able to do mm-hmm. the results you do at the level you guys do and, you know, offloading some of those duties. That's, that's really fucking cool. So Paul, I want to talk I, about, I have yeah, a question. Yeah, I yeah, follow ahead, up. How do your clients, um, enjoy having, you know, a dual coach in a way? I think, I think that they, they like it a lot because originally, um, I had a, a lot of my clientele that I was just coaching them by myself, their training, drugs, nutrition. And to be quite honest with you, I hate training programs. Like I absolutely <laughs> hate funny. it. Like I don't even care to like, if someone was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Have fun. Write this one. No. Like, <laughs> um, but Paul's the complete opposite. Like he, he loves training, pro, training program. And, you know, I think it's a perfect key and lock with, uh, you know, us being able, he mentored me from the start. And so as I was able to grow with everything, it just so happened that I became passionate a lot more with the nutrition and then him vice versa with the training. That is really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. So I want to talk about how someone would approach or, or how Paul kind of how you approach setting up a client cycle. And I think we can go through obviously everything needs to be geared towards, you know, men and then women. Um, and maybe we can go through some different scenarios and stuff, but I want to maybe compare how you do it to how I do it. Um, and who knows, maybe we have the exact same fucking method. Um, I kind of hope not for the sake of of the podcast and for the sake of debate. Um, but how do you go about setting up a client cycle? Yeah. So there are a few, big point. I mean, I'm sure we could even just talk on this one subject forever, but I think the two biggest things are, uh, cycle history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what have they used? What side effects have they noticed they've been predisposed to, um, with different compounds and their doses. And another big thing would be, uh, Oh man, it actually just left me. Oh yeah, like a needs analysis. Like what 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 do they need to get out of these compounds, right? Yeah. And so what I mean by that is like so so we have like this this root molecule, right? The testosterone. Mm-hmm. And it's been altered. Uh and, and really I th- uh, I believe a lot of it was just kind of like, hey, we discovered testosterone, let's alter it. Let's just see what happens. Yep. You know, and with, with these molecule alterations, like a lot of these derivatives, they essentially have, uh, you know, special attributes uh, or uh, specific or targeted outcomes, right? Yeah. So, like, one example would be, like, Boldenone, or as a lot of people know it, uh, Equipoise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know it's really good at increasing red blood cell count. Mm-hmm. Well, that effect may be very desirable for somebody who is uh, maybe an endurance athlete, right? Yeah. 
And then so uh, then you have all the so they're basically you know a, a lot of these compounds can be shuffled under under like uh, what a mentor of mine calls the steroid family tree, uh, broader Chavez. Mm-hmm. And so this testosterone with its associated derivatives, uh, being uh, some examples being like equipoise, dianabol, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know terenabol actually fits in that category as well, even though it has some some differences behaviorally. Even though it's and yeah then, vastly uh, different than the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, there's you know the GHT family, so we would include compounds like. Primabolin, Mastron, Winstrol, Anabar, um, Anadrol, and Superdrol, even though those kind of have uh, very different characteristics than a lot of the other DHT compounds. Mm-hmm. And DHTs are really neat, right? So, like, when, when it comes to testosterone, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Testosterone, yeah. you can kind of consider, like, the jack It's the root molecule. It, mm-hmm. it, it's okay at a bit of everything it'll increase red blood cell count it'll increase uh neural efficiency and drive it'll it'll uh increase protein expression for hypertrophy um it's okay at a lot of different things and then we have like those dht compounds which are really good at neural drive skill development they're really good at protein expression Mm -hmm. not that this translates perfectly but you know like uh a lot of the dht compounds will have like uh, higher anabolic rating than testosterone. For yeah. So they're good at protein expression. Um, generally, they uh, provide low water retention. A lot of them have really great uh, cosmetic effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, so because they generally drive lower water retention or don't drive water retention as much, um, they're not really good at volumizing, uh, bringing a lot of fullness. But like I said, there's some exceptions like integral, super draw, things like that. Um, and then another thing with DHTs, which can also be person and dose dependent. All, everything's uh, person and dose dependent mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. But DHT compounds, uh, some of them can sort of enhance mood or some of them can, uh, can, uh, even drive aggression, you know, like how it has and then, uh, what I find real quick, I want to hop in. I want to uh, hop in with the DHTs super fast. Yeah. The DHTs are so fascinating to me. They always have been. They always will be because a majority of them are able to cross over between men and women. Whereas I, I think you're about to look at the 19 nor. I'm assuming you're going to go to the 19 nor group next. We only have you know one compound that can really be safely you know, transitioned from or crossover between women and men. Um, the DHT compounds are just, I, I, I just think the expression that they can both, that they can be utilized safely. Now we're not going to use Anadrol and I'm, I, I've never used Anadrol in women. Um, we're, you know, we're not going to use Halotest. I'm not going to use Halotest in the women, but a majority of the DHTs are able to be, um, you know, a, a crossover drug, if you will. And that's, I, I, I've always found that to be just, just so fucking unique. Um, very, very fucking cool about them. You know, the Prima Bullens, the Anavars, and like you just said, the mood enhancement, dude, I, I, I mean, Anavar is known to increase the, the day you start taking it, you're going to feel a little bit better. Prima Bullen is known 
for mood enhancement. Like these two for women are absolutely fantastic. All of a sudden, you know, you, you have a woman who's in, who's very healthy, right? And she's running through a cycle of Vanivar Primabulin and she's reporting back just how much better her fucking life is. Like her quality of life improved from utilizing, you know, this anabolic steroid that, you know, most people, I, I think people think of anabolic steroid and they're like, oh, muscle growth. You know, muscle protein synthesis, nitrogen elevation, mm. um, testosterone, you know, all these things. Well, every single anabolic starts is testosterone. And like Paul said it perfectly. Actually, I love the way Paul said it. Testosterone is okay at a lot of things. You know, you, you take testosterone. Well, your mood's going to enhance. Your aggression is going to enhance safely. You know, your muscle protein expression is going to enhance safely. Your recovery is going to enhance safely. Um, you know, your, your sleep, your recovery, you know, all the, it's, it's okay. It's all right. But all of these um, you know, throughout the anabolic tree where testosterone's on top, all of these items have so many strengths. And I want people to ask Paul, Cameron and I dive into the next part of this conversation. I want you to understand that testosterone is at the top of this tree and everything that we're going to talk about falls under the umbrella of testosterone. OK, some of these are safe for men and women to take. Some of them are only safe for men to take. Some of them are safe for nobody to take, but sometimes men still have to take them. Okay, so Paul, I'm going to throw it back to you for what you were going to talk about next. Yeah, and uh, now that you brought up that testosterone, kind of okay at a lot of things, eventually, hopefully, we remember to kind of circle back around to that when it comes to uh, individuality and uh, side effects and such. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think we were getting into... Uh, 19 North testosterone kind of family, or some people would call it like the progestin family, um, because they're, you know, they, they resemble progesterone and, uh, some of them have a pretty good binding affinity to the progesterone receptor, but these compounds, you know, uh, some of the most common would be like trenbolone, uh, nandrolone or DECA, uh, as a lot of people call it. And, you know, one of the newer ones, Trestolone, or I don't want to say new, but starting to kind of pick up. I love Trestolone. And these compounds are generally. <laughs> <laughs> I love Trestolone. You said Trembolone or Trestolone? Trestolone. I love, I love me some mint. Uh, oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> it's, it's a really neat, neat compound. It but, is. Uh, and so the, uh, a lot of these within the 19 uh, nor family, um, Man, some of these compounds like trenbolone are are, are going to behave like a, a lot differently than, say, nandrolone. But uh, generally, they are really good at volumizing, bringing fullness, and like you know, especially trenbolone has such a a huge use for the cosmetic effect. Mm -hmm. um, this can be used for leverages for you know strength athletes, things like that, and. Uh, so when circling kind of back around a little bit to cycle design, it's like, what do you need? Like, are you a athlete in a weight controlled sport? Well, then probably we don't need to load you up with DECA and Angela, yeah. make you hold a bunch of water. Um, you know, especially if those things are going to be a hindrance to your actual performance, you know, and, or like, let's say, uh, you, um, you're in a sport where skill development is really important, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, how many sprinters have been busted for like Winstrol, you know, Winstrol, Terrible. Yeah. Both those. Sprinters, yeah. sprinters like, like and Olympic sprinters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's because Winstrol, um, is it, for anybody that's ever taken it, 
is really good for uh, skill acquisition. Uh, it can it's really good for strength, but without putting a shit ton of water on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So something like, uh, and, and it can be good for other things. The the one thing you have to be careful with withdrawal is its effect on like uh, joint and tendon integrity and stiffness and things like that. But have so, you uh, noticed real, real quick, have you noticed that the joint issues come more into play when someone, the common use behind Winstrol is a contest prep, right? At least in bodybuilding and bodybuilding usage is what sets the precedent for everyone else's usage of anabolic steroids, because obviously we're essentially walking chemical trials of this shit, right? I, I I found that, and I say this as um, I don't want to uh, indoctrinate myself here, but I have worked with some professional athletes. Who, you know, we have utilized anabolic cycles. Um, I've never had a, an athlete that I worked with who utilized Winstrol that ever complained about the joints at the same dosages of my you know male and female clients who have utilized Winstrol do complain about the joint. So what do you think there's any correlation there to the body fat or to the low estrogen? Um, obviously, uh, the, the, the low systemic estrogen that you have during a prep, because obviously when you're in, when you're in the state of utilizing windshield during a prep, you're also in the state of bringing estrogen down, you know, pretty low. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, it very well could be, mm-hmm. um, like, and my personal experience, like I, I, I just don't use Winstrol a whole lot or sort of, uh, I guess, prescri- I wish I could come up with a better term to prescribe. <laughs> prescribes prescribes the, the right term, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... Back to what? The licensing <laughs> of therapy? Recommend, <laughs> strongly recommend. <laughs> strongly recommend, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then there are things you can do to sort of somewhat mitigate that as well, you know, in terms of starting at a lower dose. Mm-hmm. Um, spending some time accommodating to that dose, ramping up versus like, you know, you're, you're six weeks out from a contest and you're like, all right, we're going to do a hundred milligrams a day until <laughs> like, starting day one. Sounds awful. You know, they're probably asking for some pain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the next time you leg press is going to be horrible. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. So what, let me ask you. If you had, if, if you had a go-to setup or a go-to cycle for men and for women, what would that be? I think I'll start with women because that's one that, um, I don't know, that, that's just a, a super easy one so to kind of go with. And I know Cam loves this. Uh, one of my favorite combination for women, I think within like say a contest prep and closer to the show, especially is, uh, an anabol and terenabol combination. Yeah. There's just some, some synergy that goes on there, almost like a one plus one equals three effect yeah. there. Um, cause, cause in my opinion, you know, anabol, in my opinion, is just not that special no. of a compound on its own. No. But that when it, when you combine it with terenabol, you get this really nice, like fullness, roundness, um, a certain, depending on the person, a certain aspect of density as well. And I really like Prima Bolin, uh, and women as well. That's just one that I found you, you have to be a bit careful with. It's mm-hmm. not as safe for virilization as, as a lot of people like to say, or mm-hmm. as it may appear. Um, and then for men, um, 
generally I like having some sort of testosterone base just mm-hmm. for the, the need for estrogen. Um, I myself, I'm a person who generally thrives on higher levels of estrogen, Yeah. depending on what else I'm running with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I like to have some DHT in the background as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times like Mastron, if somebody especially does have a little bit of an issue, um, with estrogenic mm-hmm. side effects, Mastron can, can be pretty good and certain individuals at sort of uh, mitigating some of the side effects from estrogen. Mm-hmm. And then I really like Primabolin uh, for, for the mood enhancement, uh, the general just, um, it just not being a very harsh compound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after so many years of doing this, trying different things and just, you know, feeling like shit, on a certain compound or yep. getting lower back pumps and like not yep. even being able to train your legs, trying to control side effects. I think like as like a uh, experienced user, one of the best things that you can do cycle wise is to almost not feel like you're on anything, but get the results Agreed. like you are on something. And I think mm-hmm. Primabolin almost sort of has that effect. Uh, and then, you know, I, I really like, uh, in a lot of cases, kind of having some sort of, you know, test prima, test mass, test mass prima. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, you know, if, if we have a need for something else, maybe just sprinkling in a little bit of mandrolone on top or yeah. maybe trust alone or an oral or, you know, in, in special circumstances, you know, like there's certain compounds like super draw and halitestin yeah. that literally have almost no purpose outside of close to a meet or a contest prep yeah. uh, or, or a show date. You know yeah. what I mean? So like I said, just kind of going back to that needs analysis. Um, yeah, man, you know, because like somebody who, you know, for instance, like if you have somebody who's like a, a strong man, a super heavyweight strong man, and they need the volumization, the leverages, yeah. and that benefits them. 19 like, Nors are going to be Throw, throw yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Throw the 19 Nors at them. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, not everybody needs that, though. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, let me tell yeah. you, I, I just I just recently, and, and I'm fascinated, I'm so fascinated by what just happened. I just recently ended my favorite cycle I've ever done. And man, I can't fucking wait to hit it again. It was testosterone. It was Trestalone, it was NPP, and it was Primabolin. And it was real, it was pretty low dosages of all of those. And I mean, Scott was in the gym with me every fucking day. The strength was it's stupid. Mm-hmm. The strength was stupid. I, yeah. I, 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 I would love to. The pumps are pretty intense. The though, right? pumps were yeah. so fucking intense, dude. Yeah. Actually, I was taking, um, I was running this when the raw line dropped. Yep. And I had to stop taking the raw pump because when I was on this cycle with that, with any pump product, um, I, I added caffeine. I started taking pre workout every day. You guys, this was nuts. I started taking pre workout every day while I was on this fucking cycle to have some sort of of vasoconstriction <laughs> so that I can make it through the fucking training session. Isn't that fucking wow. wild? Wow. But dude, the strength gains on this was, I think I went from the 165 uh, pound dumbbells for nine reps mm-hmm. up to the 180s for nine reps. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, you guys know every five pounds of that 
um, you know, at, at that poundage is, is huge. Like it's, it's a massive jump. Yeah. That was my favorite fucking cycle that I have ever done. But you know, that that's still an intense, I mean, that's as Paul and Cameron yeah. know, that's an intense cycle. <laughs> that that's yeah. a very advanced yeah, level cycle. <laughs> and in most people, um, the, the, the trust alone, the mint. So mint is very unique. It's I, but Paul, Paul, you might have to correct me here. I think it's the only, um, androgen, uh, anabolic steroid that we have, um, like commonly used right now that enhances or has its uh, methylated estrogen, uh, forces methylated estrogen to kind of raise systemically in the body. Is, is, is that correct? I believe it is. Yeah. Hey, sorry. I, can you say that one more time? Yeah, the the trestolone, the methylated estrogen side effect that comes with trestolone that like kicks almost everyone's ass. Isn't trestolone the only drug that promotes that methylated estrogen that we have right now in in order to use? Don't quote me on this. I, I probably need to um, follow follow up on this to make sure it's accurate. But I, I want to say a similar variety of estrogen is created from D-ball. Dude, that's so wild. You were saying that I was thinking that the D ball has a methylated estrogen. I'm not sure if it's the same estrogen, but I know I, I thought that D ball had a methylated estrogen as well. And I think you're right, Paul. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, but Trestolone's expression of this methylated estrogen, like, like makes D ball look like fucking Anavar. Like, I mean, it, like you will literally take one dose of mint. And again, I'm not going to talk about dosages. You'll take one dose of mint and wake up the next morning with the fucking puffed ass nipples whereas yesterday you were fine like you were good and yeah. you, you look puffy you look horrible in the fucking mirror and so you take your ai dude that like mint fucks with you mentally so bad but having the primo in there it was a really low dose having that fucking primo in there, like kept me afloat and kept me feeling really fucking good. Like, like really fucking good. But it was interesting because I usually never mix 19 nors. Right. Um, like in clients, it's rare for me outside of my big bodybuilders. You're the only ones who I mix 19 nors with. I love a test MPP trend and someone who's able to handle it and who does not aromatize at a high rate. I think that's an amazing fucking cycle. It's like Paul said. So, you know, like Paul said, what's the needs analysis here, right? What's your physique look like? Yeah. Well, as a fucking, as a bodybuilder, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much your shit pops. It needs to pop more, <laughs> right? Like, How do we get this shit to even pop more? And the volumization we can get from a test and MPP, a trend. Um, I think that's fantastic, but I don't want to just be throwing it out there and then we're going to start running trend. Mm -hmm. I think trend is a drug that should be run when you are really advanced. Like, I mean, you're, you're in pretty deep because the mental side effects that come with trend, but also if you run trend early on, I don't know if you'll have the appreciation for the drug that you need. Now, this isn't yeah. to say that I don't start running trend in someone who's in their first contest prep. I have someone uh, say that again, Paul. Uh, or, or the respect for the compound, you know, that's huge. It's so big with trend because uh, you add trend in and shit just happens. It just, it just starts happening, but this does this doesn't mean you earned it, right? This does, I, I feel like trend has to be earned. I really feel like on my personal steroid use tree, trend is really far down. Like you have to go through a lot to earn that. What do you what do you guys think about that, Cameron and Paul? Cameron, you go first. I mean, we uh we solely use trend uh, usually just for its cosmetic effects. Yeah, uh, close 
towards the end of a contest prep. Yeah. So if you've made it to that part of the contest prep, yep. you've earned it. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that 1000%. I, I, so do you guys ever use it in the off season? Uh, we haven't. Um, or at least I haven't with an athlete. I have, I've had people ask before. Yeah. Uh, but you know, especially the bigger you get to the more volumizing compounds that you put in, in that off season, the, the harder it can make things, yep. you know, you start getting back pumps all the time. Yep. Your performance is going to decline. It's going to stop you from being able to do other things, you know, which you probably would be able to without the back pumps and two, kind of like with that needs analysis, Paul and I will sometimes talk about these compounds and categorize them, you know, as kind of wet or dry compounds. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, sometimes when we'll talk to people, they'll, they'll think that we're way out there when we're talking about NPP or D ball in a yeah. contest prep for a male. And yeah. it's like, yo, you know, they still may be like, 16 14 12 10 whatever weeks out mm-hmm. and they're like well isn't gonna hold water and i'm like yo <laughs> you're like in a hype like a caloric deficit where yeah. you're not gonna be retaining as much substrate like no. that water oh i'm up three pounds cool man that's three more pounds of leverage you got on your push day so today. put into the, like, yeah so put into the bar to force that muscle to like, fucking stick around i hate when people are like oh man i feel like i'm holding water and i'm just like Good thing you're not getting on stage today. Dude, you still got 12 <laughs> fucking weeks to lose. You have to see that. that that's the thing about bodybuilders is you only have to look good one day. You have a, you have a 16 week prep, only one fucking day. You actually have to look good. And so people freak out and, and to build upon what Cameron's talking about there, it's been so like ingrained through poor forum uh, conversations, I believe that there's bulking and cutting compounds. Mm-hmm. There's no <laughs> fucking such thing. You can use Winstrol in the off season. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a little bit of strength gains from it. Now, do I recommend it? Have I ever done that? No, but you could in theory add Winstrol into an off season cycle. Why can't you use Deca in a week out? It's going to have extreme blood volumization effects. You're not going to have a ton of performance benefit from it, but it's going to make you appear fucking huge, period. It's it's going to enhance your volumization. And so I think pulling that misconception out from where we're at currently, there's no such thing as a cutting and a bulking steroid. Anabolic steroids are at the simplest form of expression, just derivatives of testosterone that like Paul said, do do they, they each have their own characteristics that they perform better than testosterone. And for everything they perform better, there's something they perform worse, right? Like DECA is really fucking good at enhancing blood volumization, at muscle pro, uh, increasing muscle protein synthesis and protein expression and at making you stronger, have more leverage into the bar because you're going to retain a little bit of water, right? Well, for as good as it is on all that, uh, there's a thing called DECA dick that you can't even get fucking hard if you take too much DECA. So it's, 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 it's a constant give oh. take. And yeah, Decadix terrible. Paul, do you have some data on that? Uh, well, that that's something um, that I actually thought about when you brought up the trust flow. And I think you were speaking to some of the side effects of mm-hmm. water retention or estrogen. Or, it was something like that. A lot of people, um, and, and the Decadix, because that being another side effect, I, I think a lot of people mess up, but like they think that, okay, like you'll hear things like, 
MPP is worthless unless you're taking 300 milligrams or more. Oh and it's like, God. no, uh, <laughs> no, like the, the drug works. <laughs> it, you put it in your body, it attaches to an androgen yeah. receptor as signals made, and then, you know, some sort of gene expression occurs, right? Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's a big thing for me with cycle design and exposing people to newer compounds or compounds that we know that from individual to individual can be high side effect, you know, like, uh, I, I, you mentioned not talking about doses, like how do do you not want me to kind of get into, no, I I know, uh, I know the road you're going down and I'm perfectly okay with it. Go ahead. Okay. So like, um, for instance, like, you know, a a lot of times, like a, a lot of people will, like, like I said, they'll just slam into three to 700 milligrams of MPP or, yeah. or trend. And it's like, then they, they say like, Oh, my dick didn't work. I got gyno or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of have this process where we may just start at literally, um, a hundred milligrams of mm-hmm. MPP. Yeah. And it's like, did we handle that? Okay. Do we have any side effects? You know, um, a couple weeks goes by all right, we, did we get what we wanted out of it? Maybe we don't even need to increase it. You know, for yeah. instance, uh, you know, um, don't want to get into doses, uh, too much, but, uh, I like when I use MPP, I, a very, a very, very, very small amount of it, because if, if I use typical doses, like Cam was saying, lower back pops, holding too much water, yeah. feeling like crap, and just a very low dose, kind of, you know, once I have that testosterone or mastron, primabolin in the background, very small dose gives me exactly what I need out of the compound. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when you have that process of gradually escalating doses, and in general, I like to start cycles with lower end doses mm-hmm. and escalate throughout the cycle sort of as we feel like we're hitting plateaus or whatever. Um, but you can find your sort of tolerance level and you may find, oh, wow, under 300 milligrams of Nandrolone, I get a really good return on gains. Yeah. Um, if I go above that though, I start to feel like shit. I'm retaining too much water. My dick dick doesn't work. Shit like that. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to sort of have that process with a variety of compounds, but especially the, the higher risk, higher side effect ones. And, and one thing I want to add too, because I know Paul was talking about we like to uh, escalate doses over time. Mm-hmm. So this kind of really ties into cycle design and structure, and you know, kind of the skeleton of how we build cycles. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's say that we've taken, we've got somebody that as a beginner maybe have ran one or two cycles, nothing too crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So we like to work things uh, a lot of of their body weight in kilograms mm-hmm. and. You know, we may we may take their body weight in kilograms and multiply it times, you know, somewhere between 10 to 12, 13, whatever, mm-hmm. and estimate a peak dose at the end of their cycle. Yeah. And I know when I design a cycle, I kind of work it backwards. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'll have this this end peak dose that I want to kind of work up to um, over the course of, you know, 16, 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and from, you know, every four to six weeks, you maybe elevate your weekly dose by around 25 percent mm -hmm. through whatever compounds that might be in addition to of adding in a new compound, whatever. And, uh, you know, we've got this estimated peak dose and we usually will start around 50 to 60 percent of that peak dose in their total weekly milligrams at the start of their cycle. That makes complete usually, sense. Usually through, um, you know, your test base, which we usually like to keep somewhere between uh, two, usually three to five yeah. uh, milligrams per kilogram body weight, mm -hmm. um, depending on, you know, how much, uh, I guess, aromatizable compounds they can handle, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a little bit of DHT in there, whether it be mast, primo, something like that. And, you know, over the course of that cycle, every four weeks or so, you know, we'll assess training. How are they progressing? How are they tolerating volume? You know, have we increased volume and seen the response to it? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can look at food. Have I, have I not bumped up food and their weight's still coming up and, you know, it's good weight that they're, they're bringing on. And every four weeks or so, you know, instead of just starting someone at that peak dose and riding it the whole way through, you have opportunities to sit there and say, hey, you know, you're actually responding really well to this. Mm -hmm. Let's ride it out like another two weeks and check in. Absolutely. And it feels really good as a coach too, you know, when you're like, oh, we were supposed to work up to, you know, like a gram or, you know, 1100 milligrams at the end of the cycle, but we actually were able to stop at 800 milligrams. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, that, that means you mitigated stress, you added food, you, you know, the training protocol, um, you know, was doing the work for you and we didn't have to rely on those drugs. I, I, I agree with that 100%. One thing I like to see is within a, so everything with me training comes number one, right? That's, that's my biofeedback variable. That's what, that's what my focus is on. I mean, three of my bio, three of my check-in questions, um, are about training itself. And then, you know, I, I assess my client training videos every week, like training's what I focus on. And within that, within the cycle, similar to what you're talking about, um, Cameron, that, you know, we have that peak dosage and yeah. I, I do something pretty similar, um, slightly different, kind of similar. Um, so let's say, uh, you know, for, for the sake of what we already went over, I'm going to take their kilograms and this is someone who wants to be aggressive. So I'm going to take kilograms times 14 or 15, Well, this is going to be our peak dosage, right? Well, we're going to start, you know, somewhere around kilograms times four or five. And if we need to work up to that 14, 15, then we can, but we are month over month. I want to see 10% training increase. That mm -hmm. logbook, the total load moves moved needs to increase by 10%. What can I do to keep you on track for 10%? Okay. And this is, you know, varying within the, I'm going to identify key movements based on their physique that I need to see increasing by 10%. If we can't fucking hit that 10%, we need to change something. Okay. 10% is fucking aggressive. I mean, if you look at the course of a cycle, that's 40 fucking percent strength gains. It's not always completely plausible, but how do we stay as close as we possibly can to that 10% month over month? And usually what we end up seeing is, you know, 12% first month. All right. And then, you know, we'll see a 9% month too. And now two months, you know, you're up 21%. We must hit a sweet spot here. I also want to add in that commonly I'm going to use some insulin or growth hormone or both along with any cycle that we're going to get actually aggressive with. I'm going to use those out the gate. So those are also helping here in the background, right? So now, you know, month three, we might see a 6%. Month four might see a 5%. 
well, we just got that much stronger from those benchmarks and I didn't have to change or maybe I did or didn't have to max out the drugs there. But now, fuck, we know the job's done. All right. The client has a psychological component behind the training. I need to hit this 10%. I need to hit this 10%. Justin doesn't want to up my dosages. Okay. He only, if he ups my dosage, it's almost like I lost, right? It's like I, I lost from the training component here. Does that kind of make sense? Am I explaining that pretty well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that's kind of how I keep it on track for, man, I want to, if you're getting stronger, the muscle has to get bigger at some point. It has to fucking get bigger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, I, I think it's unique that we kind of do something rather similar here um, in terms of handling the cycles. I, I think that for the sake of the listener, you might be listening to this and it's like, fuck, dude, Cameron, Paul, Justin, you guys just went over so fucking much. Breaking it down to the bare minimum. A test base for, for males. A test base is almost like a non-negotiable. I agree with that 100%. We need the estrogen. Uh, estrogen plays a massive role within not just strength gains, within our recovery, within our nutrient metabolism, um, within our overall well-being, within our sex drive, within our overall well-being, estrogen plays a huge role. Beyond that, if you're someone who you aromatize quickly, if you're someone who you had gyno in your teen years, we probably don't want to fucking add in 19 nors right away, right? We want to add in something that <laughs> as you guys discuss, as Paul and Cam and I agree with this, we want to add in a drier substance, right? That's a DHT. All the DHTs are going to be drier than any 19 nors, right? And we haven't even talked about tons of uh, orals here either but honestly i fucking hate orals to be quite frank with you i remember you mentioned that yeah yeah i I told you that before i only like orals in prep what'd you say i said they're big teasers they are dude they are because as soon as you pull it out it's gone (laughs) it's frustrating as shit like so real quick i want i'll I'll cover for i'll I'll cover for the listeners and i want paul and and cameron to add in here as you need so let's say we're going to go on d-ball right well what do we know that d-ball does better than anything else it's going to elevate your blood pressure because of how much fucking subcutaneous water we're going to pull in okay we're going to have a lot of water our our muscle cells are going to be volumized which is good but when a muscle cell is volumized with just more water it means there's not it's the same amount of nutrients that can actually fit inside that muscle cell right Subcutaneously, we're going to have more water. We're going to have higher estrogen. Okay. So when you utilize D bowl, your goal, your sole fucking goal out of that cycle should be putting that leverage into the bar during your movements. Because as soon as you fucking drop D bowl, what you're going to see, all you're going to see from that cycle is how well you ate, you utilize putting that leverage into the bar to move a higher load. Especially through presses, especially in your presses. And when someone plateaus heavily on presses, D ball might be something that you can add in there to help you get past this, this plateau. Right. But when you come off D ball, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's not dissimilar from utilizing DMP, right? You utilize DMP and you see a ton of water retention happen. And then you pull DMP out and all of a sudden, like the physique looks completely fucking different because there was so much water retained. Well, D ball's not dissimilar from that is you're about to drop a lot. Not, uh, not necessarily poundage either. Your physique's just going to drop a ton of water, which will likely tra- correlate into poundage, but 
what you do on D-Bowl is going to show, you know, three weeks after you're done with that fucking cycle, you're going to see. And most people get really fucking disappointed because they slack off on their training because they see that scale going up and the pumps getting harder and harder when they're utilizing D-Bowl. And like, I I don't, I don't use D-Bowl personally. I don't, I don't have a single client utilizing that right now. Do you agree with that? Yeah. We'll have people. Uh, Okay. About the usage of it or just in general? Just how it works. Like that's kind of when you utilize D-Bowl, do you feel like that's kind of all you can really expect out of it? Yeah. I mean, we don't use D-Bowl a whole bunch, but, you know, if we were, absolutely. You know, kind of how we were talking about in the contest prep, Mm -hmm. which if we were to use a a more volumizing compound, uh, I think in a contest prep, we would go with something like NPP instead of an oral Mm -hmm. that far out just with, you know, assuming that more orals or liver toxic compounds may be coming in later, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, absolutely. Paul, what are your thoughts on yeah. double? I mean, you know, I, I have some experience with it and I love it. I, I don't use it often. I don't give it to many people uh, just from the aspect, especially with a competitor. Right. I mean, you know, like you, you know, you're going to have to hit the gas pedal pretty hard during prep. Right. And yeah. that, that, there's going to be some hit to health, right? So mm. why why use the more aggressive compounds, um, the ones that, you know, may take a, a bigger hit on health, you know, like you said, the water retention, blood pressure, that that's going to have uh, strain on the kidneys and such. And then we'll have uh, extra burden on the liver and mm. things like that. Um, especially when like, you know, in your off season, food should be, uh, good sleep should be dialed in training should be going really well. Like you have all these other anabolic pillars, like outside of drugs that you may not have in a contest prep. Um, as food goes down, sleep gets shittier. Um, training kind of starts to suck. The amount you can maybe do in training starts to go down as recovery goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, I, it's not that I won't use oil such as D wall. Um, for certain individuals, you know, like somebody sort of newer, they have like a bunch of masks to put on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of do actually a slightly, a, a lot of people like to use oral sort of kickstarts. Yeah. Um, I actually, if, if I do incorporate them in sort of like an off season fashion, um, I actually like putting them in towards the end. Once things seem like they slow down, mm-hmm. um, because for one, you, you don't, you don't have to be on them that long. They, it's kind of like, uh, like you wouldn't throw EQ at the end at six weeks at the end of the <laughs> no, cycle, right? No way. It's going to take a while <laughs> yep. even just to get the stable levels and start producing the results that you want. And yep. then, um, once you, by the time, you know, you get to the end of your cycle, you should be cruising, but now you still have high levels of, uh, a bulldozer in your system or whatever. Yep. So that, you know, I think they can be useful as sort of like that, uh, that little kick at the end. I agree with that. I like that a lot. And and I, I will say I, I, Paul didn't really take this stance at all. So I don't want to say that he agrees with this. I don't agree with the whole utilizing orals to kickstart a cycle because man, w- when you're going to go deep into a cycle and you're going to really start pulling out all the stops and you know, like I think Paul said it perfectly when you're in a contest prep, you're going to take some hits to your health. Well, when you're in an off season phase and if you're going to push a really heavy cycle again, you're going to take some hits to your health and it, it comes with the territory, right? Well, if we kickstart a fucking cycle with orals, which we know, I mean, universally it's agreed upon that orals are 
the the most detrimental to your internal health. But what the fuck are we setting us ourselves up for? That's going to raise systemic toxicity amongst all organs right away, right off the bat. We're going to, even if you're protecting your kidney and your liver, it's still, they're still going to be, those markers are still going to be really high. And so we kick off a cycle with that. Our internal toxicity is rising. Well, how's your body handle toxicity? Well, it tries fucking fighting it, right? So now our internal stress markers are through the roof. Now we have systemic stress three weeks fucking into a cycle because you added an oral too fucking soon. How do you think the rest of the cycle is going to go? It's not just going to be fixed throughout the rest of the anabolic cycle. It's going to get worse. It's going to progressively get worse. And now you come out of the cycle and yeah, you might've gone 15 steps forward, but oh fuck, during that time, you also took 13 and a half steps back. And so you only got a little bit better. Whereas if we didn't kickstart with an oral and do what Paul is suggesting, where you only throw in the oral at the end of that cycle, fuck man, we might've gone 15 steps forward, but we only put ourselves back five and a half steps. Well, and fuck. if you put the well, then at the beginning, you know, you two are both a lot bigger than I, but I'm sure we can all agree that we've, you know, experienced that lethargy and oh, just yeah. feeling super run down at the end of a cycle. Yep. And you know, start building up those uh, internal stressors and systemic fatigue early mm-hmm. on in the cycle. Fuck that. Sure. You know, you may get that leverage to get under the bar and lift well and a lot stronger than normal, but you know, is three, four weeks of that going to be better than having to chop that cycle short by maybe four, six weeks? No way. You know? No way. Because once those, uh, once those, you know, diminishing returns start hitting at the end of a cycle, there's not a whole lot of pushing through that you can do. Like, you're just going to feel like straight dog shit, you know? Especially when the hunger has been screwed, which orals it, will do. It, orals are not good for your mood outside of Anavar. And so and now too, you're going to have a bad mood. Go ahead, Cam. Oh, no, you can go ahead, man. I, I think orals outside of Anavar are not good for your mental Honestly, quite frankly, your mental health. All right. So now we're tired. We're not feeling good mentally. We don't have a fucking appetite to hit our food. But the only way that a steroid cycle works the way that we need it to work is if the training stimulus is in a consistent overloading manner. So now we might be overloading to an extent just because of how many fucking antibiotics you have in your um, internally. But are we holding ourselves back? Are we holding ourselves back 15%? 15% on a 600 pound squat AMRAP is huge. That's a lot of stimulus that you're leaving in the tank because you just burnt yourself out. Like Cam just said, at the start of the cycle, you know, utilizing oral. So I want you guys to understand, I, you know, Paul laid it out, Cameron laid it out. I didn't really touch on it, but I'm going to come back and reiterate it. Build up. Like, don't throw the fucking kitchen sink. Build up and take the time with this cycle. If trend doesn't need to be in until week fucking 10, don't fucking put trend in until week 10. Because as soon as that trend goes in, that, that, that timer starts. You don't have yeah. much time on trend, on trust, on Dianable, on Halo testing. As soon as you take that first fucking hit, the timer starts. And that timer is counting down to when the 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 cons outweigh the pros. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, you don't shoot your biggest and best fireworks off at the start of the show. You wait till the fucking grand finale. That's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. That's the steroid cycles like fireworks. You start off slow. You start Man, off. Smooth. It, it's, it's like yeah. fireworks. It's like sex. It's yeah. like when you try to impress the, the, the girl for the first time. You don't want to bust too early. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to show her the whole fucking trick right off the bat. You got to oh, work her up shit. to it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got you got like a little yeah, foreplay. Like yeah, you got like the mood, music. the tunes, the foreplay. Yeah. You know, that stimulus too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to have that overloading stimulus where everyone just no done. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. You guys, I think this we've is all really. There. We've all fucking been there, <laughs> man. Fine. You wanted to impress her so bad, and it just didn't fucking go the way you she wanted. She was too to. hot. She was too hot. We've all been there to her, man. We're shooting way out of our oh, league right shit. now. <laughs> oh man. So you guys, um, tell folks, we didn't even get to talk on the AIs and the SERMs like I wanted to, but we're going to have y'all back on and talk about some more. You guys are really fucking educated, really young in this industry. Um, well, I know, I know Cameron is Paul. How old are you? 31. Okay. So Cameron's young and, and Paul's, you know, the normal age for people 31. succeeding. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's awesome. So, um, Cameron, you first and then Paul tell our listeners where they can find you on Instagram. What's your Instagram at? Yeah, it is Cameron underscore cheek. And then Paul, what's cheek. yours? Paulie with an IE. So P A U L I E underscore rocket. Awesome. I like that. Paulie rocket. rocket. (laughs) Where'd that come from? Where'd that originate? That's a nickname, right? Yeah. 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 I had uh, a group of, uh, just somebody called me at one day and, and like a, uh, back in the day when, uh, before, I don't even know how, I guess before Instagram and stuff back with when forums were big and, yeah. you know, we were on T nation and then eventually like we made like a small Facebook group and yeah, it just kind of stuck. <laughs> That's really cool. I like that a lot. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all coming on tons of info in here. We have a lot more to talk about though. So let's schedule something again here soon. Um, I feel like, I feel like we could fucking just talk for days. Um, so we're going to get something in the schedule again here soon. I appreciate you guys coming on. I have a ton of respect for what you guys do. You know, I, 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 I watch everyone. I see everyone and I've seen Cameron stuff here and there before, um, you know, I started following. So you, you guys have some really good stuff going on. Keep after it. Keep being the fucking positive change that we need to see in the industry. We are going to have you back on the Grower Die podcast very soon, and I cannot wait for that. But gentlemen, thank you again. I appreciate you. Thanks for having us, man. appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we can all benefit from this. Mm -hmm. So for episode 86, we'll see you guys next time.